Welcome to the NCO Journal Podcast, where we explore NCO professional development. This is a podcast series where we discuss published articles with authors and provide a forum for the open exchange of ideas, information, and solutions. I'm your host, Staff Sergeant Brandon Cox, Senior Editor with the NCO Journal. With us is Chaga Zapata, Managing Editor, Tony Mena, a Senior Editor, and Special Guest Dr. Robert Thompson, the Army University Press Films Team Historian, whose focus of study is on the Vietnam War. Today, we discuss the article, We Were Ghosts, a Vietnam story. With us, Travis Maruska, an associate professor of writing and media studies at the Anna Maria College in Paxson, Massachusetts. Thank you for joining us. Could you please tell us a little bit about yourself? A little bit about me. Well, as you say, I'm an associate professor um, of writing and media studies. I was born on a military base, Fort Polk, Louisiana, uh, where my father was a company commander at that time, and I have not served myself, but I do come from a military family. So I've always been drawn to stories of, um, of veterans and in combat specifically. Uh, and so when I met this individual, I uh, naturally had an interest and it turned into a relationship. Could you give us a brief description of your article and what it's about? Sure, sure. Um, I had the opportunity to interview a veteran of the Vietnam War, specifically a, a Green Beret, uh, someone in Special Forces who was there between 64 and 65, and uh, get his firsthand account of his experiences and uh, and pass them on as best I could. What was the inspiration? Why, why, why is it that you decided to write about it and not just kind of, okay, you know what, that's a great story, and then move on? Well, you know, I, I, I had known this individual for a while, and I, and I interacted with him at one point, and he said, well, he approached me, and he said, uh, I said, hey, how are you, sir? And and he quickly responded, uh, I'm not a sir. I work for a living. And I knew from speaking with my father what that meant was that, you know, he, he had served and uh, he was not an officer. And so I asked him a few questions just off the cuff. We were standing in my driveway. And he relayed a story to me, which I think I originally included in the article, but it didn't get included in the final uh, version. And it was quite harrowing and shocking to me, um, something that he had been through. And I guess he was in a mood to share at that moment or just it, it, it came out. And of course, it just stayed with me. It stayed with me over the next year or so. And I, it, just, it was this nagging question or, or idea in the back of my head that somebody really needs to, to hear this person's story that I could tell he had been through quite a bit. Um, and if he was willing to, the story should be passed on. And I thought, well, I guess it should be me since, you know, I'm the one, you know, I'm a writer and I teach writing. So I reached out to him and uh, he was uh, he was willing to speak um, as long as I kept it anonymous. So we proceeded from there. There was there was just for for context, uh, you said that he served from uh, 65, uh, 65 to 66. Is that correct? No, I believe he, I believe he was. And I'd have to check the article just to be sure, but I believe he was in country from sixty four to sixty five. Well, uh, yeah. just like like I said, just for context, and that's one of the things too that that it's good to have uh, Dr. Thompson here with us is that he he can maybe give us a little uh, a little background on what what life was like or what what uh, soldiers were going through around the time that that uh, Jerry uh, this, uh, mm-hmm. this uh, soldier served. So. Uh, Maybe sure. you could you could sure. tell us a little bit about that, Rob, and maybe just kind of a little background again. You know, his focus of studies is on the Vietnam War, so I mean, it's- uh, sure. Um, so Jerry would have been a part of Mag V or Military Assistance Advisory Group Vietnam, uh, the precursor to Mac V, uh, and this entity was designed to help 
train the South Vietnamese to fight the guerrilla, the communist guerrillas, the North Vietnamese. So its primary mission was supposed to just to train unofficially, yes, it was fighting, actively fighting. Uh, and we see that in the article. Uh, so there are Americans in- engaged in combat. Uh, but again, primary mission is training um, because the United States is not, you know, in the war, it's just training, but that's you know, right. a lot of yeah. a lot of you know gray area and all of that. Um, <laughs> and there's uh, this is the part of the uh, the legacy of like the, the Kennedy administration helping combat the co- spread of communism just through these advisory efforts. And you have MAG programs around the world, South America particularly. Um, but uh, what's cool. I liked about this article is he, you have Jerry coming at the tail end of it. Um, yeah. So that's really interesting. So this one piece kind of helps shows us this secret American conflict. And then we're going to see that where we, you know, we know from films, popular culture. Uh, so this piece is like this transition. We get to see it through Jerry's eyes. Um, but we also see that it wasn't just training. He mentions in the beginning of the Vietnamese weren't particularly keen on being trained. Um, hmm. That's, you know, that probably depends on where who you were, where you were. Uh, but we also get the the war is changing. It's it's going to become yeah. an American war. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed the fact that I, I got a perspective, um, I guess, on that moment or as you say, that um, that period of time before it became an American war um, when I suppose – Maybe there was some more optimism that it would, you know, it would, uh, it would go a different way. I'm not sure, but it, it was unique to me, and, and Jerry was a unique individual to talk to. I think that, at least to me, that's the most important part of telling this story is because it's an inspiration. When you talk to somebody who has these experiences and, and goes through something so harrowing, as you put, it really is inspirational and makes you want to think about that, kind of pushes you forward into a direction that that you might not have known you would have went. A couple of very popular movies like Saving Private Ryan, We Were Soldiers, stuff like that. Watching those as a kid kind of propelled me into thinking about the military when I normally wouldn't have, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, cinema definitely has has an influence on us. And in fact, that was uh, one of the things that interested me so much about the Vietnam conflict was I grew up, you know, in the 80s. And my father had served during that period of time, and I, you know, where there were so many of these films coming out in the mid '80s, the 10th anniversary, um, Platoon, and, and Full Metal Jacket, and things like that, and 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 I saw, you know, these movies uh, seeming to represent a different kind of conflict than than I'd known growing up, you know, previous to that, John Wayne films and whatnot, and so the cinematic representation really piqued my interest um, into the Vietnam conflict, and so I've read a lot about it um, since then. I find it interesting we mentioned, uh, like, the 80s films because there's the scene uh, where Jerry mentions his first kill, and it's a, a Vietnamese uh, sniper, and that took me back to the scene in Full Metal Jacket where uh, one of the, the main characters yeah. ha- is confronted with having to kill a female sniper. and yeah. then Private Joker. Yeah. Private, yeah, Private Joker. Thank you. And it's like a scene also too that he like she acts it and then ends up uh, begging him to like finish her off. Yeah. And we also saw that earlier in your piece that Jerry has to, 
um, you know, someone asking him, like, don't leave me behind. Right. Uh, so I was like, that's really cool that, you know, quintessential 80s movie on the Vietnam War that's, you know, loosely based on a lot of real things, uh, but still is taking a lot of liberties. But yet in this very real piece, we kind of get some truth that we can like, we, oh, yeah, I remember seeing that scene. But to Jerry, that, you know, that was real. There were a couple of moments, yeah, um, writing it and listening to it um, when the story or, or what was happening just sounded so surreal. Like, yeah, this does sound like something out of a movie, you know, and yet this really happened. And the movie version is always melodramatic. Um, but, you know, the movie's inspired. You know, we know these things happened. We know people went through this and uh, had to carry out those actions. And how, you know, how did that change them? What did that do to them? Um, afterwards and so uh, having seen all those films actually hearing it from someone firsthand was was quite striking the final version of your article uh, is not quite reflective of the initial submission and 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 there were quite a few things that we had to kind of you know take out during the uh, editing process which i would like to discuss a little further here with with uh with tony in a second but i know that there were certain things in there that they were gritty they were true they were uh, interesting to read, but it was just, uh, we, we just, you know, in good conscience, we couldn't really put them, leave them in there. Part of the editor, be, being a writer, you know, one of the things that you have to be aware of and be uh, prepared for is it goes through several changes. Yeah. Uh, so what do you, what do you, uh, what do you think about that? And about the, uh, you the know, it's editor? funny. I was actually talking about it with my dad last night and we're talking about the fact that we, 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 we can't, we can't, Sometimes reality is too harsh, and um, there uh, we we package reality for the for the masses for the individuals. We we have to make these considerations as to what what can be told and what shouldn't be told, and that's true with film, and that's true with this. Um, I saw that certain things were taken out. It, it made sense to me, um, and I'll tell you something as well: is that I took things out before I submitted it to you, because there were things that Jerry told me that. I felt I couldn't pass on either, you know, so we, we each took our own part in this editing process, you know, and, and, and deciding what is palatable and what is acceptable. Um, and I guess that's how we deal with reality and with war and with some of these very difficult topics. Uh, we, you know, we, we want to know more about them, but we don't want to know too much, I think, at the end of the day. Well, also, I mean, if you think about it, some of the things that, uh, that I'm sure he told you would be walking that line that, where there would be consequences and I'd rather yeah. that we stay away from that and we stay focused on his story and, and, and give him, you know, the recognition and the acknowledgement of his service and, 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 and thank him in the way that we, and the way that we are now by talking about this article and by uh, continuing, you know, his legacy and his, his, uh, by, by talking about his experiences. Um, Absolutely. Jerry's one of those individuals who, um, uh, well, I guess I'll, you know, using a plaque here that's on my, my, my father's wall in his office, that he's a veteran and a veteran basically at one point in his life uh, gave a blank check to the, you know, to his country and said, you know, up into my life, you know, whatever it takes. You know, he, he, he made the ultimate, um, he offered, gave up so much of his time and, and he carries it so inconspicuously. Um, you know, it, it was just happenstance that I was able to, run into him and talk to him and know what he'd been through and then talk to him more and interview him. But he's not one of these guys who goes around and, you know, tries to broadcast it because I think he's, 
wrestled so much with um, what he did. Um, and something occurred to me the other day is that when these individuals, whether they're in Iraq or Afghanistan or Vietnam or whatnot, when they come back from these experiences and what they did in the service of their country and they successfully deal with it to the point where they can re-enter society, there's no parade for that. Their success is that they remain anonymous. Their success is that nobody notices. And that, that when I thought of that, that really struck me. Was it difficult uh, at the beginning? I, I mean, I know you were trying to build trust with Jerry and he had a great story. And then at some point you realize like, I'm, I want to make a story out of this. People need to know his story. Was it difficult to get him to initially sit down and talk with you? Um, no, not really. Uh, I was surprised there was a, there was a difference. The first time I, you know, we, we broached the topic in my driveway. Um, I think the, uh, you know, he was quite open with telling me something that, that was quite striking. And when I approached him in a more official capacity to sit down or we did it over zoom during the pandemic, uh, and talk with me, then I felt a little bit like the guard went up and, and, and he was more hesitant. Um, and so that took some, you know, reassurances, um, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, in my mind after that initial encounter, he was just going to be, you know, throwing the stories out and this, and then we did this and then we did that. And in fact, it was, you know, I could tell as we were talking, he was pausing, he was considering, what do I want to say here? What can I, how can I phrase this in a, in a delicate way? Um, and so we, you know, but as we continued on, I think it got easier, um, I just enjoyed it hearing it. I just, I just, I couldn't get enough of it, to be honest. Since that uh, initial conversations, like now, do you find him more open? Like, does he stop you to want to talk more or I'm just curious to see like how your, your, in a way, like his professional relationship has developed with him. Uh, No, I wouldn't say that. I think we're still pretty casual. Um, We still like to see each other. Um, There does feel sort of like this, uh, I don't want to say bond, but connection or understanding that, you know, I have feel like I have with him, but I would never, you know, take advantage of or betray. Um, he's just a great guy. You know, he's just a great guy. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I always love seeing how, hearing how he's doing. Uh, too many stories nowadays have been lost. I mean, if you look at World War II, um, most of those guys are gone. So whatever yeah. you read in the textbook is in the textbook but what really happened and how it really felt in that moment for a lot of those missions and operations is now gone because a lot of those guys are gone. I hope that more people, at least nowadays, uh, I mean, talking about Fallujah or talking about anything, you know, now moving into a, to a possibly next near period war. Um, I hope that people keep this in mind. Like we need to write this stuff down because that same mindset you were talking that Jerry had, right. Not wanting to talk to anybody about it, put it away in a lockbox. I know so many soldiers nowadays that do the same thing and they're going to end up the old, you know, Jerry that that still mm-hmm. has never told anybody, never told his wife. So I think it's, it's very important that, that our listeners, especially in, in our soldiers remember that we need to keep these things relevant and, and, and tell each other about it because I think it helps uh, psychologically too. And that, yeah. that brings that brings up a point too. I mean, the the purpose of the NCO Journal is to, um, I guess it's 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 about NCO professional development, you know. And and there's the stories that people tell. There's messages. There's there's lessons to be learned there. 
if anything, mm-hmm. uh, at least to, to learn uh, what it was back in the day or, to, you know, to keep history alive, to keep traditions alive, to keep that, for lack of a better term, the tradition of victory alive, you know, the, the kind of things that, uh, that we go through, the, the experiences that soldiers go through that uh, when they tell those yeah. stories, those, the, the younger individuals, the, the, the ones who come later are going to be able to, to learn and, um, and maybe continue that tradition. And it really just blows the doors off of movies and cinematic representations. You know, when you hear it or read it firsthand, when you, you know, the words and you can picture it and, and this is the firsthand account, it's just, it's so much more uh, true than, uh, than the cinematic representation, you know. In some cases, better. No, almost always, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. there's, there's no uh, creative license being used. It's all real. Right. Right. You're not watching an actor pretending you're hearing it from the person who was there. I, th- I think it's interesting, too, how I, you guys were talking about earlier. Um, you know, Jerry gave you kind of a watered-down uh, aspect of the story, right? He didn't tell you everything. And then you cut out sure. things for us, and then we cut mm-hmm. out things for the reader. So <laughs> yep. It's, yep. it's funny how watered-down it got. But, I mean, I guess that's to kind of keep people from those extreme uh, instances of the story that that maybe don't need yeah. to be given to give to still give that and it's still an exciting yeah. story so i can only imagine if it had been unadulterated just how off the rails it could have been or whether material you have now for like another project or just whether little nuggets you can share like later later it just goes to show just how much information one person can give you but you don't have to give it all away yeah. Well, and some of it you don't want to. And some of it, and to be honest, I think some of it people don't really want to hear. You know, I was, uh, you know, I was just talking to my dad about, um, oh, I recall um, reading a long time ago about the film Schindler's List and that there were just some things that could not be shown. And I, and I gave an example to my dad, which I won't repeat here, but, you know, an atrocity that was carried out. And, and, and as soon as I said it, he just shook his head and said, yeah, of course you couldn't show that. You know, no. Nobody wants to see that, you know, they, yeah. we, we want to know, we want to understand, but then there are just some things you can't, you know, and, uh, and, and we have to respect that and, and, uh, you know, and deal with what we can. So, yeah, like you said, yeah, each one, each one of us took our part in watering it down um, so we could create something that, that most people could pick up and read and, and connect with. How do you think that Jerry's response is, uh, when he when he went in deep on some of that stuff, how did they affect you personally? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll say that after a couple hours, because um, because I would I would do the interview and then I would go back and listen to it and I would take notes. And you know, one of the things Jerry mentioned, and it was in the version that I wrote, which I think was taken out of your version, but I'll touch on it here was was the fact that he had to. Um, he had to get used to this process of eliminating. He used, it, he used the term eliminating, you know, eliminating a target, um, which, you know, was killing somebody. And, 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 and he had to do it, and he had to do it repeatedly. And we didn't talk about specifics, and we didn't talk about other than, you know, I think the story you already related. But one thing that he said to me was that um, he started to disconnect from the process. And to the point where he almost became curious about, you know, the process, like, um, you know, how is this one going to die? You know, and that's when he really realized 
he needed he needed to get out of this. I mean, this this was doing something to him. He didn't, you know, he it was changing him. Um, and these were people, and he was, um, and that really affected me. Um, hearing these, you know, accounts, um, I recall, you know, finishing some notes and getting up and just having to walk around and kind of, you know, uh, wave my arms around a little bit and clear my head. Um, um, and again, that was probably the watered down version that he was giving me. So, I think to to, to some degree, that's a subject that we. You know, because of our audience and because of what what uh, what our focus is, that we shouldn't really shy away from. You know, soldiers, our NCOs in the in the army in the in the field, uh, need to know that you know it's something that, that that I mean that's what we train for. You know, you know to destroy the enemy, right. and that's gonna right. that's what it means, and that's what the the soldiers are doing in in Ukraine. That's what's that's what's happening. In, you know, right now as we speak, and I think it's. Uh, it's not a subject we should shy away from, but you know, to some degree, when it comes to the uh, the 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 written version, uh, we do have to like 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 it's been said several times, we do have to water it down. But that's when we have these kind of discussions here, where we can actually be honest about things and be a little more uh, explore these kind of things, uh, because you know, uh, when you look down the barrel uh, at 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 the enemy, you're yeah, it's like so many things go through your head so quickly, but you don't have a chance to really think about them you just react so uh and i sure. think it's important that we we uh we do talk about that you know i know yeah. there's been several of us i don't know if uh if, if sergeant cox has had that that experience i know uh his predecessor sergeant woods had uh had some experiences that that were very uh traumatic for him and, and things he had to do uh and tony i know that you uh you served as a uh by the way tony was a uh a corpsman with a uh marine um uh, in, uh Recon unit, so oh, he's okay. uh, he's wow. had some experiences as well. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, uh, but I think again, it's not a subject we should shy away from. You know, we're soldier the soldiers that we we deal with that we that we um, that we serve in in editing and, and publishing their stories. I think they need to be uh, that, that this sub subject that that we should uh, explore to some degree. Yeah, I guess yeah. Um, I, I could talk about some of the editing that went on, like with that specific thing. Just could be good for writers to know, like how we think about things. So it had come up in several conversations uh, talking about it, and we wanted to make sure that Jerry was sympathetic, like a sympathetic uh, sympathetic character and not just like a mindless killing machine, which is why we <laughs> pared down some of that stuff and then kept in enough to either imply that that was happening uh, or kept in several of the instances that you had in there that were so powerful. So like we chose the most powerful of what we thought and then mm-hmm. cut enough so that, you know, the reader basically didn't just uh, shrug Jerry off as like an 80s Arnold Schwarzenegger just racking up a body right. count. We wanted it to make sure that um, the reader, like, attached to Jerry and, and could feel a lot of yeah. that stuff. No, I thought you guys did a great job. Um, you know, like reading it, I didn't, you know, I, I know some writers get really irate. Um, but just reading it, I felt it was really nice and balanced and um you know, the stuff that you took out, you had good reason for doing it. So, no, I think it was great. It was a fun read, man. I got to tell you. Oh, I, man. I, really I read it so many that. times. <laughs> yeah. We, we all read it <laughs> several you. times. And then we, we, I don't know if you saw some of the artwork that uh, that was uh, yeah. that we put in there, but uh, the motion yeah. graphics and then uh, the still that uh, that Tony did where the, <clears throat> excuse me, the ghostly, ghostly soldier kind of, yeah. I thought that, uh, you know, those kind of things too uh, allowed us to be a little more creative with some of the uh, supporting artwork. 
Yeah, the visual is, I did a lot. I was I was really blown away when I saw that. Yeah, we have more coming too. So you know, just uh, stay tuned. Great, some some cool things, and again, it allows us allowed us some creativity from our end as well. And 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 I think that um, it's all coming together. It all came together very well, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Hope you guys write more or publish more stuff on Vietnam. That makes me happy. (laughs) (laughs) It will makes us happy too, especially if we get good material like this. That was that was quite uh, tell your friends. Exactly. Um, so I had a question on your writing journey, because we have a lot of writers. You know, most of our articles are from soldiers from the field, and they didn't grow up as writers or didn't grow up loving writing. I myself hated writing until I was, like, <laughs> 26, and I randomly, accidentally took two writing classes in college because I wanted an easy A, and they were not mm-hmm. easy at all. But I found, like, this <laughs> writing avenue to talk about my experiences uh, sure. but what was your journey? Were you always a writer? Did you have to learn how to do it? You know, just anything that would help nervous writers. Uh, I, I always liked write. I always liked stories. Um, you know, but I had, I think I had a bit of a, a self image problem. I, I just didn't think I was smart enough to be a writer, you know, like a writer was a smart person, you know? And so, um, I, I really loved film. And so I ended up going to film school, but when I was there, um, it turned out everybody wanted to make the movie. Nobody wanted to write the script. And I wasn't too bad at it. I had a mentor um, who uh, helped me out there. And so about halfway through, I, I switched from production to screenwriting. And that, that was okay with my self-image because I wasn't really a writer. I was a screenwriter. You know, I was creating a blueprint <laughs> for a movie, you know. And so that was okay, you know. And I did that for a few years, and I got some scripts out there. They didn't sell, but I got them out there, and they did the rounds. But uh, eventually, and, and I started teaching college, um, and specifically writing courses. Um, I found that the the screenwriting format was just so um, uh, stifling. So it was just you, you, you can only use so many words in a screenplay. Everything has to be visual. You know, you can't explore thoughts, you can't explore emotions and flashbacks and things. And I just wanted to get free of that. And so that's when I started dabbling with um, with you know, open writing, just like actual stories and. Um, and uh, I did actually finish a novel this past year. It was a, a fantasy young adult, uh, which I spent a couple of years on. And, and yeah, I think I'm getting more and more interested in just this the short stories, articles like this. Um, so in the end, I, I guess everybody's process is different. Um, I would just say that if you, if you enjoy writing, if you find you know, there's pleasure there, um, keep doing it, you know, and do it. If you like it, do it because it'll just make you better and better. Yeah, my advice is always your first draft is just going to be terrible. Oh, yeah. You just get yeah. used to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I teach. I actually just finished a semester teaching fiction writing, and I, I had so many students who, you know, they did that first draft, and they're like, what, I'm not done? I thought I was done. You know, I got to revise. What is that, you know? But I remember thinking that, too. So, And one thing, too, when it comes to writing, whether it's uh, something more story-like, like what you did now or what you did for us or, or more scholarly as – uh, a lot of our articles are uh, the more mm-hmm. you do it, the better you get at it. And for NCOs, the, the better you are at writing, I think the the more um, it's going to affect your, 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 uh, your career. Sure. So the, the more oh, yeah. you do it, the better you get at it. The, I think that the more uh, it, it's going to open up avenues to, to get promoted, uh, to get, yeah. uh, to have more responsibility as much as some might not like more responsibility, the more responsibility you have, the, the, the more you're able to step up the ladder and and, and get promoted yeah. and, and, and get more and stuff. If, to if you can, if you can be a good writer, you're a good communicator. I mean, not just on the written word, but you can, 
you see a writer communicating, speaking, you know, you can see them choosing their words and figuring out how they're going to say what they need to say. And communication is, will always be so important, no matter what business or what field you're in, you know, a good communicator is going to go further. I mean, you guys are talking a lot about, uh, you know, just get out there and write, but I think a lot of the greatest stories that we're going to receive or could receive would be from our junior soldiers and they are not mm. going to want to write anything. So what we do here at the Institute Journal is provide a service to you. I mean, you guys give us your submissions, your ideas, and we will make something out of that if it's a good idea. We don't care as much, and I'm sure Tony can, we don't care as much how, how great the article is written. It's just about what it is, and I think that's the yeah. biggest takeaway here. Yeah, Tony will make it better. He needs a job, yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, just keep I in mind that... That it is about uh, our focus is based on NCO professional development. So keeping that in mind, uh, you have something to share. This is a place to share it. You know, as an NCO, as a leader. I guess I could talk about some of the editing, yeah, and then yeah. and then I have a. So just for our for our writers, because hopefully many will listen. And I think that your first draft you sent us was incredible, because I love having so much material to work with, and then it's our job as editors to shape of like sections and make sure everything flows really well and then again with it being palatable like if for yeah. hypothetically not saying that this was your draft but if you have three harrowing instances uh like what is too much for the reader what when do they get numb to this so we you know we'll choose like the best one sure. and focus yeah. a lot of emotion or almost like you know you're talking about movies being melodramatic well, we kind of view it the same way sometimes with like we want to make sure that it's it's a focus piece and not just like a ton of stuff. And again, generically for our writers, like everything gets edited. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's a team of five of us, so like something, <laughs> something's getting cut. But uh, yeah. also, you talked about so you met Jerry. You said there was like a year period where you had thought about interviewing or telling his story, like. What kind of relationship did you have to build? And again, this is for writers that want to do interviews or want to like pass on like really yeah. good stories. Because uh, I think you're a great example. And this is the first mm, long interview that we've done, uh, which is why I was so excited to do it. Um, but it really opens the door. So you have opened the door for a lot of other writers. And I want to make sure that other writers know like your process and how you built up this relationship to get someone to talk about uh, really hard stuff. Um, yeah, it was trust. There was a great deal of trust. There were ground rules were laid out immediately um, for, of course, the anonymity. Um, and also that there would be certain things that he did not want to talk about. I would ask a question and he would say no or indicate in a polite way. No, we're not going that way. And I'm not a journalist by nature. Um, but after, you know, a little while, you know, if I ran into a few of those questions, you know, part of me was like, no, I want to know, you know, and I had to respect that space and just accept that, you know, we're not going in that direction. Um, and I think because of that, he was willing to continue to meet with me. Um, I hope it was, I hope he got something out of it as well. Um, I hope I didn't, you know, give him nightmares. At one point, I think he indicated that he just hadn't thought about a lot of these things in a long time. And, and he'd been, you know, kind of he had a phrase, I forget what he said, he, he put it away someplace in, in, a, in, a, in a locker in the back of his head or something like that. And, um, and so I had to really be appreciative that he was willing to, you know, unpack that locker a little bit for me. So I guess trust and patience, um, 
you know, I didn't try to dictate the conversation too much. I had questions that I wanted to ask him, but oftentimes once he started talking, it might go in a different direction I hadn't anticipated. And so I recorded all of our audio and then I could go back and, you know, and find little gems and things that he brought up. Um, but trust was probably the biggest thing. I never wanted um, Gary to feel as though um, I, you know, I didn't have his back or I was going to try and pull a fast one or, or something like that. During the intro, I, I wrote a, um, I, I wrote about my experience that when I, when I first came out of boot camp, um, mm -hmm. I, I met yeah, this, I uh, yeah. yeah, the Korean war vet. And it's, yeah. I so wish that I had done what you did and written down what he told me. He had some amazing stories. I don't remember the stories. That's what I wish I did. Uh, yeah. I remember his, his missing fingers. I remember his toes, uh, uh, and like the fact that he was balding and his hair was white, uh, and he yeah. was very intense and, and, but I think when I talked to him, I think it was almost like it, like he was releasing the floodgates. Me now, myself, I'm I'm a veteran myself. I'm, you know, I served in the Marines for 20 years. Not not something wow. I normally put in uh, that I put in the in the in the intro. But I served 20 years. Mm -hmm. I did two tours in Iraq, and and I was in uh, in Desert Storm. Uh, and mm -hmm. and on, honestly, nobody ever really asked me about what you know what what kind of experiences do I have? Uh, you know, what yeah. did I experience when I was out there? Uh, but. I think, uh, you know, as, as many of our audience probably, uh, especially the senior guys here, they, they've been, <clears throat> excuse me, deployed and um, have had their own, have their own stories. And I think something like this, being able to, to uh, I guess, unload, is, it's almost like it's a therapeutic, I would say. Yeah, I would hope so. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, just, I mean, it, go ahead, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I just, if the subject's willing, um, if, you know, it's always, I guess it's tricky. You know, one thing that Jerry indicated in the article is that he never went to a therapist. He never went to a psychologist. Uh, he didn't want to relate that to someone who hadn't been there. You know, that was important to him. Um, he dealt with it on his own, uh, which I, I found to be fascinating. But in other cases, I, I guess what you're hinting at is just that, God, there's so many stories out there. And, and um, they all deserve to be told um, because of, of, you know, these extraordinary lengths. And I, I'm speaking as a civilian. I don't, you know, I, I did not serve. Um, but, you know, these individuals have what they've gone through and gone and done for their country. Um, so if they're willing to speak, um, boy, I think I really think we should listen. Have you considered like a follow up project, like doing more oral histories? Asking since um, I've done a few uh, with like Andrew Wiest at Southern Miss when I was a grad student there and. Um, and those are really cool, just to, even just transcribing or talking with veterans, because you get some, like, cool nuggets like you have, you know, stories yeah. that you otherwise wouldn't believe if you didn't have, you know, have someone actually telling you or the transcript in front of you. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, other people who, like, read that stuff, they're just, like, they eat it up. Or at the very least, you know, that that information is preserved there, whether it's just the recorded audio or... Yeah, that piece you pick yeah, out is now in a collection. Yeah, I think it's a worthwhile endeavor. Um, to be honest, I just kind of stumbled into this because I met Jerry. I knew Jerry. Um, I thought of it. I'm not sure where I would start. You know, and there's something else to it too. Is is you know, if you become the guy who's going around trying to get people to tell you their story, I don't know. I mean, again, I, I uh, Jerry was a little reluctant, but but he opened up and and we, we formed a relationship. Um, 
And uh, I guess I just I always want to respect people's privacy. Um, I don't want to be seen as that guy who's trying to you know get people to tell me things they might not want to tell me. Um, but I would be, you know, if I were to run into a similar situation, you know, I might find myself drawn in again. And, and now that I've done this one, um, wanting to do another, you know, maybe from a very different perspective, maybe a different war, a different conflict. One of the things that, that one of the questions that, that we sent to you, what do you have any war literature or inspiring material that, that you would recommend? Uh, and I have a few myself, but I just I want to know about uh, if you have anything, uh, Travis, that you could tell us about. Um, you know, there was a book that really shaped my my view of the Vietnam conflict. I, and I think it might be actually broken into two books. I think it's called Reporting Vietnam. And it was an assemblage of not just journalistic accounts, but also firsthand accounts. In fact, John McCain, I think, had a had a, an article in there, too, about his time as a POW. And um, it was it was quite uh, I, I remember one specific article written by a veteran in the Vietnam conflict, um, talking about pretending to be dead as he's laying there amongst his dead brethren, you know, fellow soldiers while the enemy walks among him. And that was the only way he got out of that was he, you know, he, he was with a squad that had just been wiped out. And, um, I just, I couldn't believe it. It was, it, it, it just blew away any movie I'd ever seen. I just couldn't imagine being in that situation. So, so reporting Vietnam. Um, and then I, I recently read the book war by Sebastian Younger which follows um, a group in Afghanistan, um, I think about 10 years ago. And that was really, um, really revealing to me as to, you know, m- more modern warfare um, and what those guys go through and what, geez, what just the day-to-day is. I, I, I was just blown away. There's, there's several, just from my perspective, there's several books that I, that I, I enjoy reading. Personally, I like reading uh, historical fiction. Uh, mm-hmm. There's yeah. a series called, uh, or by a, an author called, uh, or named uh, uh, Bernard Cornwell. It's called the Sharp mm-hmm. Series. It's uh, it's on the uh, the Napoleonic Wars, uh, and there's there's oh, some okay. lessons learned. There's about a it's about a a soldier, a British soldier who ends up um, clawing his way to to the officer ranks, and it's uh, it was a whole different world back then. But I think there's lessons to be learned on leadership and 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 that sort of thing in in, in this, that series. It's quite a few books, but they're they're a good read, and I think that they uh, they would be something that would inspire um, writers because of the kind of stories that, that because for one thing you you can learn about history whether it's you know about um, Vietnam or Napoleonic Wars or whatever, uh, and also uh, be entertained by a character, a fictional character that whoever it is, whoever writes about it, can put it inside those uh, situations. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which uh, other other series I would I would recommend would be Cos- the Casca series. It's about a, a soldier who who um, who goes lives through the he can't die he lives through the ages only being able to live life as a, as a warrior of some sort. So mm-hmm. he goes to Vietnam, Korea, uh, all the way you know back to to the Middle Ages and and before that. So it's it's just, wow. I think it's there's interesting uh, again it, it's. You learn learning I think about history. I think is important, and I, I think that that's something that uh, ultimately, you know, NCOs in particular, I think need to be need to be well read. Uh, yeah. And I think history carries so many lessons, whether it's through uh, uh, book history books or even hist- historical fiction. Yeah, yeah. I was always a poetry guy, and here bullet by Brian Turner. Uh, that was actually the book that got me started on 
everything that involved writing. And then Vietnam-wise, uh, Yusuf Komunyaka, he had this Dien Kai Dao that was incredible. Just opened my eyes mm. so much. And, like, what's possible for a veteran to write about? And, uh, and then Hugh Martin had a great Iraq. And that's a guy that I've had many emails uh, back and forth with. So, But also, Rob, what do you suggest, being a historian from there? All right, so... Uh, I'll start with probably the one of the best books uh, in terms of like oral histories of the Vietnam War, and it's one I read um, when I visited Vietnam in like 2011, and I hadn't heard of it before. Um, I think other people have. I hope they have, but it's uh, by it's the Sorrow of War by Bao Ninh, and he was a North Vietnamese veteran, and it's his experience of fighting the war. So you get the other side, uh, but it matches perfectly with what you would expect from like an American, the same visceral experience, the same questioning of what's the point, the same, you know, per, same kind of deal with loss, experiencing destruction. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's visceral. Uh, it's de- really depressing. Uh, there's mm-hmm. parts where you're like, I hope it gets better, but it just gets, were somehow um yeah. uh he was in the the recent ken burns documentary in vietnam which was great to see him as a subject matter expert uh great book you can read it really quick um if you're willing to go through some of the real really tough parts in it uh and obviously everyone's probably heard of tim o'brien mm-hmm. uh so the things they carried uh which is uh the book probably the first book I read on Vietnam. I read it as an undergrad. I was like, that's Vietnam. And that's when I came back to was like, yeah, that's Vietnam. Then there's the other book by him. Uh, if I die in a combat zone, which is more mm-hmm. autobiography, more of an autobiography. Um, I think those two together are really good. Uh, Cause one's more like made up, um, but yet seems so real. And that's like his whole point. That to tell a true war story, you have to introduce a lot of fiction, but yet it it doesn't really matter because you weren't there. Uh, so there's a lot of cool stuff about that, and I think those are a really great way to introduce people not to only writing, but maybe to war in general because it's not what they expect. It's not troops moving on a battlefield or you know who has. It, it's not the it, like a chess game. It's here's an individual telling you about all the horrible things he encountered or the mundane, like someone yeah. like just nothing was happening or we were trans, we were going through a jungle and it's, um, it, it was miserable. Um, but then also the, you know, again, the bad things, the firefights, uh, the monotony, the uselessness of the, of the struggle. Um, I think that's what's great about all those Vietnam books. They all cover that. And the different perspectives, and they all kind of marry up, whether they're North Vietnamese or American. Uh, in a way, they all tell the same story. And one, and one side from the side that's defeated, the other side's the victor. And yet they're all questioning the point. Like, yeah. they all suffered. What was the point of all this? We lost friends. We're all you know, mentally scarred from this. We're trying to figure out what do we do going on, but yet we're broken. And so I think there's a lot of interesting lessons to pull from that, um, especially for someone like uh, going back to Bao Nin, where that's like not a popular thing to have, 
uh, in a communist country that's like, we won this war, we unified the Vietnamese people, and he's questioning, you know, why, like the price yeah. they paid. Um, so those books are really open, eye-opening to me, and I can't recommend them enough. I'm glad you actually brought up the North Vietnamese. Uh, so same thing when I started reading, I should actually start with when I got out of the military, fresh off my deployment, like I was kind of numb and almost like Jerry, like uh, very hateful towards what I thought was the other side. Then I read Here Bullet, which also had uh, some viewpoints from the other side, uh, which you know I guess were fictional, but it was a real maturity in him thinking about that, and that got me to show mm, more compassion towards the other people. It really helped me, like, just be more mature about everything uh, and grow as a person and a writer and a father, you know. It, it's interesting you bring up that point because you you served, uh, it was it was pretty much one enlistment, right? It was six years? <clears throat> yeah. So your extension, your yeah, for my buddies actually, because they were going, and so they said I had to extend for a year if I wanted to go with them, and I already missed out on the first time they went, so I wasn't gonna let them go again. Oh, so you weren't stop loss. You volunteered. I to volunteered stay. to go again oh, with my friends. So. <laughs> but see, that's that's what I'm saying though, is that your experience? Because I was I'm, I was a lifer, you know. I, I was uh, you know I was I was more senior than you when I when I deployed to to Iraq and and. Your experiences, your point of view, when you left the army or the the the, the service, you're you're like, okay, yeah, wash my hands, I'm done. Uh, whereas me, as having been in uh, uh, in for 20 years, it was my life, and so when I left, it was it was a different. I had a different perspective, uh, and I think that 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 is interesting that we we talk about that or that it's mentioned because I think I think that's something that hopefully the younger guys can uh, write something. The younger NCOs can send us stuff that'll that'll put things more in their perspective. Because a lot of the stuff we have, which is great, we, is from senior NCOs. But it would be great if we could get things from the younger guys. And you know, hey, be honest, be straightforward, uh, talk about your experiences. Although the the young guys nowadays, maybe some of them might not have been uh, gone to war or been or had those kind of experiences. But you can still write about things. With that, thank you so much for joining us, sir. It, it was a pleasure talking with you. It's a pleasure uh, working on your on your article. It's, it's a pleasure to talk to all of you and, and, and hear from your experiences. You know, I'm I'm just a guy who listened to a veteran, you know, for a few hours. But you guys, you guys have lived it. So, well, we want to thank you, sir, for joining us and sharing your story, and a thank you to our audience. Remember to put your knowledge to the page, submit articles, and get published with the NCO Journal. Don't forget to check out our webpage. Follow us on social media. We'll catch you next time on the Into the Journal podcast.